This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And now we have a treat for sports fans everywhere. It's really important that professional athletes learn what uh, to say and how to deliver their message. You've got a great first half. Make sure you keep the ball doing the work. We're still looking to get it in the wide areas. First of all, it's the correct stadium design, but also the correct pitch construction. And that clash, that rivalry comes together with that traditional white blocked against that more modern contemporary neon color. All these events live on the programme. We'll continue to do our best to cover sport in the way that you like, backed up by our highly professional team. Grandstand starts now on BFM 89.9. It's Friday evening. Thanks for joining me. It's me, Ross. It is um, time for Grandstand. This is where we, we take a look at sports from different angles. That's what I say every week. Yeah, basically, it's not about football. That's what I talk about every week, right? Now, the last few weeks, we've been concentrating on, on motor racing and, and motorbikes. Well, we're sticking with the racing theme a little bit today. We have Malaysia's ace speed skater, short track speed skater. She, she won... Three medals at the SEA Games. She is known as Malaysia's Ice Queen. Uh, welcome to the show, Anya Chow. Hi, Ross. Nice how, to meet you. <laughs> how are you doing? You, you, you look great, by the way. Great. So do you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, three gold medals, 500 meters, 1,000 meters, 3,000 meters, ladies relay. Um, you pretty fast on the ice then, huh? I try my best. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't start like that. Because I, I read in 2009, you would have been, what, 15 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You took part in the uh, figure skating championships. Yes. So um, I started with figure skating. Um, and actually, then I stopped. Um, I found that it was a little bit too catty for my liking. Too um, prim and proper. No, I think there was a lot of politics in the sport. Really? You you felt that at, what, 14? Well, you must have started earlier, right? 12, 13? Yeah, so I I started figure skating when I was nine years old. Wow. Um, And there was, I think because it's similar to gymnastics in the sense that you start very young. Yeah. And so it leads itself, I think, for parents to be very involved. Yeah. And because of that, I think there's a lot of, Cattiness. And because it's not like short track speed skating where, you know, it's a lot more objective, right? I mean, there are some rules in place because you are racing, but at the end of the day, it's about who crosses the line first. So for years, you, you had the training of a figure skater. Yes. Physical, yeah, uh, yeah. Ba- basically, you, you went to the rink, you, you had a, a teacher that went, yeah. do twirls, do, do yeah. all that. And, and did, you, did you enjoy it then at that time? I loved it then, but I think even at that point, I stopped because other things got in the way of what I loved. Um, Which is like what? Which was just the politics and the cattiness. Okay. Um, And I think that's an unfortunate angle to sport that a lot of people don't know about or think about. This is something parents also get involved in at your age. So you, your parents were also subjected to, to all this cattiness and yeah. the nonsense that yeah. went on, right? Yeah. And I think the good thing about it was, I think from a young age, it taught me to, I think, tune out a lot of the white noise. Um, but there is also, of course, the negative aspect. And so yeah. I stepped away from the sport yeah. um, and also kind of decided I you know, wanted to be a normal teen again. <laughs> and then, Rightly so. And then short track speed skating kind of came into the region, into Southeast Asia, where it had never been before. What year was this? This was 
when I was 16 years old. So it was just over a year after I'd stopped figure skating. So like 2010, 2011, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then I actually started because there weren't that many numbers. And so they were like, you know, come and just join the team and just help to boost our numbers. And I sort of reluctantly joined, actually. Okay. And then I ended up loving it. I think because... How long did that take between you joining it and you saying, I love this. I, I, yeah, almost, I'm into this. Almost instantly. I think there was something about the ice that I always loved. And it always been... You know, it felt like home. I it, think it's completely a different way of skating to how you would have done in figure skating. But what I loved about it, which was different from figure skating, was that it was a lot more adrenaline based. And it was a lot more competitive. And I think I really love that. I love the speed aspect and the adrenaline aspect, which you didn't get in figure skating. Um, and it was a lot more tactical, which yeah, I loved, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot about thinking on your feet and acting fast. So I loved that aspect, and I think that was there's always been something about the ice and being at a rink that has always felt like home. I think because I grew up with it. What? When, and but hang on, you you grew up here though, did you? In 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 KL in Malaysia, Singapore? No, I actually grew up in Singapore because. Um, Same like me. My, I was my dad moved there for work. Okay. Um, so that was where I ended up studying. And then I... So the love of skating actually started there. Yeah. And, and the cattiness and all that stuff. You're talking about the Singapore circuit at the time. Yeah, but I think unfortunately it happens everywhere. Yeah, no. Because absolutely. absolutely. Probably more magnified there. Um, I think it's different everywhere. And... I think, unfortunately, you're just either lucky and there's certain people at that time. Mm -hmm. Because then I kind of stepped into it a little bit in short track. Yeah. So I actually did short track speed skating for a little while. I stepped away because I went to law school. Okay. So I went to law school in the UK. Oh my God, Carlisle versus Carbolic Smokeball. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Mrs. Carlisle. Yes. Yeah, I remember it. Oh. That's funny because that's the one case that everyone sort Do of remembers. Do you know remembers. what I mean? It's, it's the ultimate one, um, right? And then, yeah, so I, I went to law school and I focused on that. And then the SEA Games was kind of coming to Malaysia. And it was my hometown. And it just felt... Like the right fit, the right time in my life, I think. And okay, so when you when you started, when when you joined, when you joined up and, and tried your hand at speed skating, and you thought, I like this. What kind of times were, were you quite fast then? Um, not really, I guess, in comparison to the world stage. Yeah. Just because at this point we had no equipment, we didn't even have the proper sized ring. No, this was the first time uh, speed skating introduced to SEA Games, correct? No, no, no. At that point when I first started, that wasn't oh, even no, the Oh, no, no. That games. wasn't even the yeah. SEA Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, okay. you know, we didn't even have, like, the proper facilities. The rink was the wrong size. Yeah. At that point, we didn't even have padding. My goodness. Um, which, obviously, is very important because our sport is can be quite dangerous. Yeah. And so, if you don't have the proper padding, it's so easy to get injured because obviously you're moving at such fast speed. Plus, plus there, there can't be many speed skating coaches living in KL. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I think there were a few things that were in the way. I wasn't really training properly. I was maybe training one to two times a week, which mm -hmm. is similar to what people do in like school activities or just hobbies, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then actually, I went to law school 
Um, I finished my law exam, and a week later, I was in Korea training. So I was with the with the national team. Not with the national team. Um, it was sort of an international team. I had a Korean coach, and it was an amalgamation of someone from Australia, Czech Republic, people from the American team. Japanese Who funds team. this? Who funded that? So at that point, it was all completely fun- funded by like myself my and goodness. my parents. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's not cheap. No, definitely not. And in the lead up to the Sea Games, we got a little bit more funding, mm-hmm. um, but because of some politics that are going on again, absolutely, and I can't, I, you're I fighting a losing battle. Back right? to being unfunded. So I have zero funding. Um, so if anyone out there wants to fund me, then that would be great. Um, oh, but this is leading the, up to, to the, the Sea Games at the end of this year. You, you're looking for funding. Yeah. Right. So I'm actually working part time. Don't worry, we got an hour here. <laughs> By the time we're finished, they will love you and, and throw money in your direction. Okay, so you you started out. You you went from figure skating to to training speed skating. You liked it. You broke off. You you did your law degree. You start yeah. studied law. Then you went back into it because it was nearing the Sea Games, and, yes. and you felt it was tough. So you went and did training where to acclimatize and, and, and so get ready for I this. So I moved to Korea. So like I said, a week after my exams, I was living in Korea. No furniture in my apartment. Didn't know anyone. Speak Korean? And no, I mean <laughs> at that point I didn't. No, I know a little bit now, uh-huh. but and. So I just kind of threw myself into this world of like six to eight hours of training a day, wow. and just went full throttle. Um, so I was there for a year and a half training in the lead up to the Sea Games. So I mean, that's that's dedication, that's seriousness. Did you at that point daily grind of a year doing all this training? Did you think, oh my God, my friends are posting pictures of them in Koli Pay, and, and <laughs> shouldn't you be doing that at that time? Did you did you feel a bit no, I think actually it was a bit of the opposite. I think I'd never had the opportunity to go into full-time training and kind of commit myself 100%. So, and so, you loved it. So I actually saw this as a great opportunity where I could finally commit myself and actually push all the way because I felt like I'd never been able to really reach my potential because I hadn't had that amount of training and commitment mm-hmm. and yeah so I loved being in the environment it was a very different challenge something that I was it's a completely different world so just everything is completely different how much and would you say you, you learned from that South Korea stint like Anya before she went there to a year and a bit later when Anya then what were you? Would you say how much more complete a skater were you? 50, 60% more? Oh, completely different. Really? Completely different. Different I way think, of thinking, everything. Um, I think, obviously, if you look at it from just the foundation level, mm-hmm. I was different in terms of technique. I'd never been trained as a proper athlete. Yeah, yeah. Most people that are skaters and athletes... They train since probably full-time from about 14, 15 years old. Okay. Most people are homeschooled yeah. um, before high school. Yeah. Uh, they don't. A lot of them don't go to university. Yeah. A lot of them maybe do some on- on- online courses, yeah. but that's sort of it. And 
you know, they start the sport, whatever, when they're eight, nine years Whereas old. Whereas you were trying to shoe, shoehorn the sport into studies and stuff like that. Quite yeah. different. I mean, we're Asian, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so, Education always comes first. Yeah, because otherwise we get slapped across the head. Yeah. yeah, so that's what my dad told me. My dad was like, sure, you can go pursue your dreams, but you have to get your university degree. Once you get your degree, sure, go and do whatever you want. So what, you're, you're a qualified is, uh, lawyer? I'm actually not qualified. So my, my journey is a bit of an interesting one, I think, in, in general. Uh-huh. Um, so I went from law school. I threw myself into a year and a half yeah. of you know, being an athlete. And because of some unfortunate circumstances, I then quit. Okay. Um, For how long? I then went into a year, almost a year and a half of um, full-time being in the employment industry. I started off trying to figure out if law was something I wanted to do. Uh And I wasn't sure just because... I think my passions with law lied very much on the human rights angle, yeah. and corporate law just didn't really excite me. No, I, um, I can't see law in you the fit at all, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the things that I loved about law was being able to help people and change their lives and sort of, I think, help certain injustices. Yeah. Um, so there are certain things that I'm very passionate about, such as like, you know, um, gender equality and things like that. Um, yeah, you'd be busy in Malaysia human, then doing yeah, that. Yeah, any yeah. kind of human rights angle. Um, but it's just a, something that's a lot harder, not very widespread, I guess, yep. in Southeast Asia. Absolutely. Um, and I tried the corporate law route and it just wasn't for me. I think it was just too cold and there was not enough of a human aspect. And it was it's always been very important to me to kind of do something that makes some sort of change. Yeah. Um, I did work for a year and a half and I ended up doing business development and then I just, I just, I I missed short track. Um, I think it took me a year and a half to, to heal from a lot of the experiences I'd had from, but then the hunger came back. But I think once I healed, I just, I, it's something that I'm very passionate about and I love. Yeah. And I think now that I've grown from those experiences, I think moving forward, I would never let myself be put into those same situations Brilliant. and be treated that same Brilliant. way. Brilliant. No, it sounds like you're coming back this time a, a lot stronger and, and a more complete person. Yeah. Brilliant. That's where we're going to leave it for now. Short break. When we come back, we're going to find out how, how much training actually goes into winning a gold medal. Uh, that's next. More Grandstand coming right up on BFM 89.9. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. This is Grandstand on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with me. Um, Yeah, Grandstand with me, Ross. And this week we are talking to short track speed skater Anya Chong. Uh, we, we heard about Anya's journey from figure skating to speed skating and then a little pause to study law. And then now, Anya, uh, let, let's just go back a little bit to your uh, the, the three gold medals you, you won at the SEA Games, right? Yeah. How much... When you, when you... Before it started, did you think about medals at that time? 
How did you approach it? Did you think, right, we're one of the favorites here, blah, blah, blah? Um, I think with anything, the number one step is always mentality. Yeah. And it's the belief. Yeah. So I think if you don't have the mentality that you can win and that you will win and the belief that you will do it, then I think you'll never get there. Um, so this is something that I talk to a lot of people about where there's a difference between believing that you can do something and believing that you will do something without a doubt. And so leading up to the SEA Games... There's a lot of work to actually getting there, right? I mean, Of course. Yeah. And, and the work and the time and the hours, that goes without saying. But I think the puzzle piece that peop- a lot of people miss is that belief. Mm-hmm. And I would visualize and the way my thought process worked, and, and I don't mean this from an egotistical point of view, but just there's a, sh- a shift, I think, between, yeah, I think I can do it, and it's already done. Yeah. And so that was the way I thought leading up to it. Brilliant. And I think so that you, helped a lot. So you had quiet confidence in you leading up to the competition. When you won your first one, what was it, the 500 meters? Yes. You, you thought, right, let's keep this going. I think for me, um, leading up to the SEA Games, there was a lot of politics, a lot of like emotional abuse. Yeah. Um, people were trying to play a lot with, you know, what races I was in, what I wasn't, what I was you, and wasn't. You're talking doing. about press here. You're talking about. No, I'm talking a lot about um, the then association, okay. what they were trying to do and play with. Yeah. They were trying to force me into doing like. You know, like three to four hours of midnight training and then a few hours early in the morning. So I was only getting like three to four hours of sleep. Um, and so in the lead up to the SEA Games, I didn't really train for almost two weeks before. I didn't step on the ice because I, me and my coach then made the executive decision that it was better for me to just at least be rested going into the competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were kind of all kinds of issues with me then falling sick. And, you know, them thinking, then saying, you know, like, oh, um, I don't believe you're sick. We have to force you to go to the hospital. You have to go, you know, I need proof. And it was crazy because a lot of the SEA Games doctors kind of came back and they were like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Like, just don't train. And I was like, no, I need you to write a letter because they're forcing me to. And, you know, I'm, I'm clearly sick. And they're like, no, it's fine. Like, I'm I'm the Sea Games doctor. You know, just just don't don't train. And I was like, no, no. There's a lot bigger issues at play. Yeah. Um. And there was just a lot of yeah, a lot of poly- politics and negativity, funny business. Yeah. A lot of negativity. Yeah. A lot of threats. Yeah. Um. And you know, and I and I dealt with that both from the side of more of an association, bigger level side as well as from a coaching standpoint. So to be honest, going into the SEA Games, mentally I was under a lot of stress. Yeah. And I think I had a lot of people just kind of trying to get me off my game, um, threatening me and all kinds of things. And so going in that morning, I decided, and I was all over the place because the day before, you know, there'd been like fights, I'd been crying. This was leading up to, you know, midnight the day before my competition. My goodness. So you you, you won despite of Malaysia. So moving into that morning, I just kind of thought, you know what, there are all these people that want me to fail. And 
You know, instead of saying something or I decided that I was just going to prove them wrong. And so I think, again, moving into it, to be honest, I was not on my A game. You know, physically, I was, you know, nowhere near where I wanted to be. And maybe even I wasn't the strongest athlete physically on that day. Mm -hmm. But I decided that, you know, there was no way I was going to let there be any other outcome. I was going to win because I was going to show them that no matter what, they couldn't throw me off. And so the first medal was very emotional for me and Mm -hmm. I think that's like pretty well documented, you know, and I was a bit emotional and teary because that first one was very important. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, second and third followed, but after that, when you got three in the bag and and you're back home, after competition, didn't you, like a normal person would have probably, just think, right, that's sod it. I, I'm, I'm not skating for the country again. So it wasn't so much that because, to be honest, Malaysia as a whole really embraced me. Um, everyone was amazing and gave me so much warmth and support and love. And so it wasn't about that, but it was hard because I think I had put in, I'd given up a whole year and a half of my life And through circumstances that, to be honest, I stuck around through even though they were a little bit against my, like, moral and core beliefs because I was going through them because it was okay because I had this goal. Mm. And though that would have been worth it. And I think because of everything that happened and all the drama and politics that surrounded the SEA Games... And I sort of just held it in, didn't really think about it, and went out there and did what I needed to do. But I didn't really process those emotions until afterwards. And? And Did you come to a conclusion? I think after those SEA Games, I had a lot of trauma from the event. And it was hard because at that point, my goal was the Olympics and qualifying for the Mm -hmm. Olympics. But to be honest, mentally, it really affected me. And I struggled a lot with... I think anxiety and depression going into it. I stopped loving what I loved about the sport. And I was like, you know, I didn't, this was supposed to be, you know, a great event. I was supposed to love it, have all this joy. And I just didn't enjoy it. And I think that was an unfortunate, you know, side effect of a lot of other things that went on and a lot of politics. But it sort of, I just forgot why I was there yeah. and why I was doing what I was doing. So how did you recharge? How did you get yourself back? Um, I think it took me going away and leaving the sport for a year and a half. I did a lot of work on myself. Yeah. Um, I had to recover from a lot of events that had happened throughout the year and a half. Right. And it wasn't just Sea Games. There were a lot of events leading up to it as well mm-hmm. um, that I think just caused a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I also thought that the minute I left the sport, everything would be fine. Yeah. And, I, and I think this is something a lot of people think in general. They think, okay, this hard thing is over now. Everything will go back to normal. But life doesn't work like that. You can't just switch things no, on and off. it doesn't, no. In so, cartoons and, and, and TV it does. But no, not in real life. Yeah, so I kind of took a step back, worked a lot on myself. Um, I meditated a lot. I did a lot of mindfulness and just really... Yeah, worked on myself, what I wanted, my... And I had to learn to 
like build up my own self worth mm-hmm. and my love for myself and what I love doing and mm-hmm. what I wanted to do and be putting out into okay. the world. Okay, so you you regathered yourself. Now you're you're working towards December's Sea Games. Is it easier this time round now that you've got gold medals in the bank? Do they do they listen a bit more now? Um. Yes and no. It's <laughs> it's. There's of course always that pressure. Yeah. But I think it's easier this time round. I think because I've grown from all my experiences in the past. Yeah. And. I'm doing it on my terms, and I'm doing it on the basis that this is about what I love to do. Brilliant. And if it, at any point, you know, I have no more passion for it, and I'm not loving the training aspect because, and and it's not that every single day is rosy, and I don't have hard days training, mm-hmm. but it's about the sport, mm-hmm. you know, and and the tough days is what builds. The great days as well, yeah. And it's about that journey, yeah. But the fact that it's centered around the sport instead of, I think, things like politics and all these other things that I don't think should come with sport. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So going into this next Sea Games, have you set yourself personal targets? It's got to be the same again and more. No. Of course. <laughs> um. I'm also, of course, realistic that there are people that have been continuing the sport exactly. while I've been out of the yeah, game. Yeah, but I standards think, would have gone up. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, um, you always have a winner's mentality. Yeah, and you never go into it hoping for silver or for bronze. And if that is the way you think, anyways, then you'll never get gold. And I say this a lot that you know you always have to. Reach even higher, mm-hmm. and maybe you'll drop a little bit. But yeah. if you don't even reach, then for sure you'll never get there. Absolutely, no. That, you, you, yeah, way too mature head on your mid twenty <laughs> shoulders. Um, how can skating be improved in Malaysia? How can you get more people into skating? Well, I think first of all, um, we need a little bit of support from the government. Um, we're not even registered. You know, under say MSN, so yeah, yeah. even you know, getting that facility and that support and that help, or some kind of funding for us as athletes, because I'm in a very fortunate position where I'm working part time and I can work remotely. Yeah. But not everybody can do that. No, absolutely. But I think it's also just br- bringing the awareness to people that a lot of people think, okay, so you know, we're a summer country. It's hot here. We're a tropical climate. And they don't even think of, you know, ice skating. No, and, not at all. And it's very different from skiing, where you don't need winter mm-hmm, to skate. Mm-hmm. And actually, it is a sport that Asians are very, very good at. They're one of the best in the world. So we have the body type and the physique to be great at this sport. We just need a little bit of support and a little bit of awareness. There you go. There you go. And 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 Anya is doing her bit, winning gold medals left, right, and center. We can't <laughs> ask for more, really. Listen, an, another short break. When we come back, we'll we'll find out about the the how Anya chills outside ice. <laughs> That's next. A view of sports from every angle. This is Grandstand. Building fit Malaysians. BFM. Sit back, talk sports and play ball. This is Grandstand. 
Thanks for sticking with us, uh, Ross and Anya here this week. She is dubbed Malaysia's Ice Queen. Do, do, do you like that moniker? <laughs> um, <laughs> you yeah, like, no, I guess so. Just to do the queen wave every time, every, everywhere you go. <laughs> no, but it, it, it must be, I mean, it's it's the ultimate. It's a high, it's a high yes. accolade, right? Yeah. So you, you can't brush it off. Um, all right, we, we, we've heard about the, the serious business of of uh, speed skating, the amount of training that goes into it and all that. You were telling me off, Mike, that you, your family are all over the place. Your, yes. your dad and your brother kind of live and work in Singapore. Oh, no, you got a brother in Hong Kong. You, you got a sister in university. Your dad lives and works in Singapore and here. Yes. And, but you see them a lot. Yes. That's good. That's important. Yeah, I think all of us... And I think in this day and age, everything is spread across such different places. People, you know, work remotely and things are all about like moving it to the global scale. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm very fortunate and blessed to see my family all the time. And even when we don't, we have our weekly Zoom calls. So we brilliant, have a brilliant. No, that's vi important. video calls every yeah. week um, scheduled in like a meeting. That's so, great. Yeah, so Chinese New Year is confirmed yes. back together. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, excellent. Um, how do you relax? What, what do you do? Do you, do, you, do you garden? Do you cook? You, you said you meditate, so you do yoga and stuff like no, that. No, I, I don't do yoga. Oh. Um, but I do meditate uh, every day just because I think it's something that's very important for the soul. And mm -hmm. um, I think just being at peace with yourself. Yeah. And I think it's just a very good starting point to start your day and to move on to whatever it is you want to do. And so, yeah, I, I love that. Um, in terms of my spare time, I'm, which I think surprises a lot of people, uh -huh. I'm actually quite introverted. Um, and so I... You stay like in to... and Netflix and read a lot. Yes. Yeah, no, that's um, absolutely but... fine. Also, at the same time, I realized that my time is very finite. And while I'm also training, I have a lot of other goals I want to do. So, like I said previously, I work part-time remotely. Mm -hmm. um, and I do business development. And Developing I'm, what kind of businesses? Um, in, in the trust business. Okay, okay. Um, and I'm also in the process of building my own startup. And so I'm doing a lot of like market research and market testing um, in the process and the lead up just because I think while I'm training and I love that aspect, yeah. I there's also a side of me that I guess really wants to grow my business career Absolutely. as well. well. Yeah, well you and, need to pay the bills, don't you? Yeah, and All I right. think there's a misconception that um, that you can only do one thing to pigeonhole people into being like, okay, she is just an athlete yeah. or she is just a lawyer or she's just a whatever. But I think in this day and age, we can really mold and become whoever we want to be. Yeah, yeah. And people can be a lot more multifaceted than just one thing. Um, so I'm trying to sort of build these two careers alongside mm -hmm. and they're just both things that I'm very passionate about. Good. And I think because of my experiences, I'm just very passionate about the lifestyle we lead and kind of using the physical and the mental together to sort of build, I think, a very like healthy lifestyle for people. I think what people don't realize about exercise mm -hmm. and sport that they really love mm -hmm. is that the reason why 
it makes you so happy and makes you so confident in all these things is because moving the physical body, the body language that you use when you do sport is yeah. naturally more, you know, upright and yeah. it's more confident. And so it actually affects your mental as well. I, I notice on your on your social media that you you post a lot of gym photos and <laughs> you you gym every day to keep yes. fit. Yes. That that's uh that's part of the routine. Yes. So I think it's about creating like habit and routine. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, you know, it's very different for you because you're an athlete, yeah. so going to the gym is easy. And I think nothing in life is easy, and no. nobody is born with discipline. No. You know, I don't wake up and I'm like <laughs> a more disciplined baby, and someone else was just born with less discipline. It's about yeah. building habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's, yeah, if absolutely. you build the habit to do something every single day, mm -hmm. eventually that becomes discipline. Okay. That does does that go into? Do you eat well? Do you have to eat the right foods as well? Yeah, of course. I think everything. Sort of is a part of it, and it's about having a healthy body. And when you have a healthy body, and that's physically and mentally, and when you nourish it well, mm -hmm. um, whether that's nourishing it with good food or with exercise or with your mindset, then that leads you to be a better person to do the things you want to do and Brilliant. be better at everything that it is you want to do in life. Brilliant. Do you, do you set long-term targets? Do you say to yourself, Anya? Skating for another maybe two years, and then that's it. Concentrate on the business, and then kids in five years. Does it? Does it? I mean, is there? Because I mean, let's face it, we're Asian. I think, you and what, the what's pressure. the thing? Um, you make plans and God laughs. <laughs> and I think in this day and age, it's it's a lot harder to make plans. Yeah. But for sure, I think in the next five years, you know, I want to build my company. I want to. Create a platform to help people to change their lives yeah. for the better, um, and I think making an impact in people's daily lives is something that's very important to me and something that I'm very passionate about. Just because I think I've seen the way it can affect me when it is not, and when when it's negative. Mm. Do you do you feel? What you've seen, everything uh, from from uh, figure skating to speed skating, and 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 the whole business of skating, do you feel that you want to give back and teach, eventually? I mean, I'm not saying in the next five years, but there are lots of maybe young girls out there who you maybe should teach the right way. Do you know what I mean? Definitely giving back. Um, I'm not sure if. You have to teaching patience. the skills. No, not the patience. Um, because I, I used to teach. I used to teach figure skating when I was young. Okay. Um, and I was also a judge for figure skating. But I just, I think, where I am with trying to build my startup mm -hmm. and this tech platform is that I want to try and create a platform that can reach more people. At the end of the day, if I'm coaching, I could. You know, teach and impact one person, and that's super important. Yep. I think if I can just change one person's life, yep. that's amazing. But I think with technology and hopefully creating a tech-based platform, I hope to kind of try to change the lives of a bigger mass of people, and hopefully to kind of create a platform that can impact everybody's daily lives and change their daily lives. Tell me more. That's very interesting. This platform. So I'm kind of trying to create a lifestyle and fitness platform uh -huh. 
to kind of create a ha habit for fitness. So something that interweaves both your mindset. So every morning, I believe in starting the day with, you know, setting goals for yourself and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Because when the only two emotions you can't feel at the same time mm -hmm. is gratitude and a negative emotion. When you are truly grateful, yeah, yeah. you can't feel anger or hate or anything like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times when we come back to this place of gratitude for the things that we do have, it sets us up much better to do everything else. So I want to do that as well as bringing the physical aspect of fitness because I think when you do it correctly, and then it's shown throughout the world, how big of an impact you know, exercise and fitness can have on people's lives. So what? Hang not, on. Not from a perspective yeah. of wanting to be an athlete, yeah. but just your whole life yeah, and just being happy. yourself. Yeah. And so, and also to do it in a way where I think it's bringing um, smart fitness to people. I think there's a lot of platforms out there mm -hmm. that sort of attack it in a way of like, okay, here's, you know, a running app and you have to run so long. Yeah. But... I think taking it back to be all these things to try and help to better your life. Not from an aspect of, okay, I want to be a better runner or be a better mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. but from a more holistic point of view. So Very whether good. it is, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a 12-year-old, you know, young teen that's starting out and, you know, I want to build more confidence in myself mm -hmm. or I want to be a better soccer player mm -hmm. to be able to create life habits that yeah. will grow into, you know, being an adult that will help set her up to be a more, you know, positive person, but also help her from, you know, an, an exercise point of view, yeah. but also a platform there that if you're, you know, a 50-year-old person and you're struggling, say, with back pain, where you can build habits into your routine to alleviate that pain and, you know, just help bring confidence and a better body language and mindset into your life. You're talking about an app that could sort out my back problems. Seriously, <laughs> I, I'd be so interested. Uh, yeah, that, that's, when, when will that come to fruition? Well, I think what I've learned from skating is I'm, I'm a natural born sprinter, so I'm very impatient. <laughs> and I'm always really impatient to get things out. But yeah. I think with this, um, there's a lot of market testing that I want to do before I bring it out. Yeah. I want to make sure that it is helping and benefiting people in the exact right ways I want to. Um, and so I'm still ironing a lot of things and doing a lot of research and just building a lot more of a solid um, business plan and business idea. So Got that a when name it, for it yet? gets out, I don't have a name for it. So if you have any ideas, <laughs> let me know. But um, just so that when I put it out, I want it to be something that's solid and really creates an impact. I don't want to put out something that's half-hearted because that's, you know, not really going to help yeah, and benefit yeah. people. Yeah. And so I'm learning to try to take my time and make sure I build the foundation right and make sure it's 100%. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, but, yeah, it's something I'm definitely very passionate about. Yeah, you, and it sounds it. It sounds that you, you have spoken with, with... You should see her eyes glowing when she's talking <laughs> about this app. No, it's brilliant stuff. All right, um, back a little bit now to, to what's coming up. You've got the SEA Games coming up in, in December. Um, let's face it, you need funding. Yes. Right? So what, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about banks and, and stuff like that who want to 
Honestly, at this point, um, absolutely anything. <laughs> um, it's it's obviously hard because um, we aren't really backed by the government in terms yeah. of funding yeah. or anything at all. And yeah, so any anything at all, any help and like any um, amount, whether that's from like equipment or you know, I have like ice training costs and like living costs because I have I train in the UK. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, anything at all. Um, Brilliant. You know, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> you, can, you can contact Anya direct via Instagram. She yes. normally responds within within a day, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> and so. uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck. Um, best of luck in, in your app development. I, I When it comes out, I'll be the first to download it. I don't know how fit I'll be, though. But <laughs> yeah, hope you win more gold medals as well in December. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And yeah, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing day to day or if you have any questions you can definitely reach out to me on Instagram and it's just at Anya Chong and that's A-N-J-A-C-H-O-N-G Brilliant stuff Thank you so much for listening Back with more Grandstand next week Tune in next week for more Grandstand on BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.